The Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on 101.1 The Beard. Starring News Channel 11's Pete Christie. Inside the Red Raiders publisher Jarrett Johnson. The Beard Sports Director Sean Dillon. And host of the Rockin' Pregame, Jeff Scott. All right, welcome to the Rockin' Pregame once again. Got a nice, uh, cooler, windy day happening today. Nothing like yesterday where you had some nice blowing dust, but nothing wrong with that. That's what keeps uh, that's what keeps people uh, from moving here from California. So keep them out. So that's right? A good thing. That's right. Jared, how are you today? I'm tremendous, Jeff. Actually, I was what was it? Fantastic last week. I'm tremendous today. Just dang, so many positive things happen for Red, uh, you know, Red Ridder Athletics right now. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, there was. Uh, there really is. There's a lot of good stuff, and we're going to get to a lot of that coming up today. Including, uh, you know, last week we talked about Tyler Shuck, the new uh, the transfer quarterback. We learned how to say his name first of all, <laughs> and uh, that was that was half the battle right there. And then um, we were going to get him on the uh, on the phone later on in the show and uh, get to know him a little bit. And uh, you know, I think is a lot of a lot of excitement that answered yeah. a lot of questions. I think for. Tech football for the upcoming season that you know people were wondering what was that quarterback situation going to be like. So he he's a neat guy. I think Red Ritter fans will really enjoy uh, hearing from him. So uh, that's coming up later on in the show. Uh, we also got recruiting updates. A lot of scholarship offers are out. Yes. Um, got uh, Red Raiders taking on Baylor. That's going to be another. <laughs> I guess that's the final regular season basketball game. Yep. Uh, baseball playing in the Shrine. Is it the Shiners or Shriners? Shriners. Shriners Classic, okay, and then uh, Michael Hunter and Eric Haslam, our uh, rocketologists, will uh, break down this week's Rockin' 25 college basketball poll. So um, we got all that, and uh, who knows what else. Uh, maybe a few <laughs> surprises. Do you like surprises? Depends on the surprise, quite honestly. <laughs> some of them do. have been amazing, some of them have been just <laughs> Charles Barkley terrible. Yeah, I got you, I got you. All right. Rockin' Reality Chat. Yeah, we always start the rock and reality check. So, uh, what's I mean, you seem pretty upbeat already. So. I really am, and you know, just a couple of weeks ago, the rock and reality check was how terrible 2021 had you know started off in terms of Texas Tech sports. With the basketball team had that stretch, they had that losing streak. The baseball team went over, uh, you know, in Arlington, and then you know, Texas Tech football. They're just it's, it was hard to generate any optimism. But look at what's happened since then. I mean, the basketball team's totally turned things around. They're playing their best basketball right now, starting with that big win over Texas and then TCU and then last night against Iowa State. And then, boy, one of my favorite moments of covering Texas Tech sports was Ty Larson. Yeah, that was Man, awesome, wasn't it? the student manager, not only him getting to play, right. just him getting to dress is amazing. Right. And the way they orchestrated that, Beard just being a maestro, getting you know, just allowing him to dress and be there and do that. And then for him to not only go out there, but he didn't make a shot or do right. something fancy like that. He took a charge. Yeah. He took a charge in the paint from a Big 12 athlete. I mean, could you have drawn it up, written a better script for that? I mean, it was the most Chris Beard I was about to say, yeah. moment ever. Just a great moment for Texas Tech athletics. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was. Uh, that was. And man, the crowd went crazy yes. when that happened. The student section was His blowing teammates up. Teammates mobbed yeah. him. I mean, yeah. uh, even Mac McClung on Twitter uh, posted a goat emoji yeah. after yeah. when Tech, you know, posted like the highlights of of everything, and everybody mobbed him. The chance to MVP. I just it's like a Rudy moment. It was know? a Rudy yeah. moment, yeah. and it was like I said. I mean, this this program is defined by its defense, its grit. Relishing the role of the underdog, you yeah. know Texas Tech yeah. outlaws being street dogs, as right. Coach Beard likes to say. 
So I, I just can't imagine a better scenario on senior night for than for that to happen for, and for Larson to draw a charge there. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I think this really brought to light for me or I, maybe for some for a lot of fans out there, this is a big part of the program. I mean, you hear student manager. It's, sometimes people joke about that, you know what right. I mean? But, but the student managers, the GAs, and this really isn't a cliche. I've heard this from recruits. Uh, for example, Micah Peavy's father, David Peavy, the head coach at Duncanville, uh, in an interview with him, he told me that one of the things that really stood out on Micah's visit, official visit to Texas Tech, was just how the the student managers, the GAs, the whole thing worked and how available they, they are. I mean, if you're a player at Texas Tech and you want somebody to rebound for you at 2 o'clock in the morning, you can call. You have a series of numbers. You can call, and they will meet you up there, and they will rebound for you. Wow. So, And it's unique. This isn't how it is around the country. I'm sure people try and copy it yeah. and imitate. But the way Chris Beard has everything working and the way he gives respect like he did. I mean, if you're a student manager or GA at Texas Tech, I mean, and you see that, yeah. how does that make you feel? To right. be to be honored like that? To yeah. be appreciated like that? I mean, that's just unusual, y'all. What we're seeing from, from Chris Beard in that basketball program is unique and that last night was a shining example of that for and, me and and it was great too because it got picked up everywhere i mean it's on espn i mean that's how scott van be. pelt yes. tweeted that out and talked about it yeah so He's that the was best, by the way like to me yeah. i you know of course grew up with espn right mm-hmm. love it i you know always had sports center on i don't really live that way anymore but scott van pelt is to me like the old the remaining vestige of what ESPN right. used to be that I liked about it. Well, it's because they talked about sports. So much of ESPN now is, <laughs> yeah. is a bunch of people arguing about politics, right. which how that fits into sports, I'll never know. Right. I hate that. You know, I don't, I don't watch that crap anymore. I, I Very rarely. But no, Van Pelt is actually one sports guy that you can still like. So it, I guess he's one of the guys that got the message that people don't uh, don't enjoy politics in their sports. Yeah. So, yeah. He also has always been like, showing a lot of respect to Tech for that 2008 game, obviously, when Tech beat UT and, the, right. and just that atmosphere there but you know even going on further my original point of the optimism around texas tech sports the baseball program and won five game they bounced back they won the five games they should going into the shriners classic you know you feel better about number 10 uh red raider baseball and then football tyler shuck i can't tell you how much getting this quarterback this one of the top names in the portal this offseason what a perfect fit he is for what texas tech needed and how much has changed like, you know, I see it on the message board on the inside of the mm-hmm. Raiders all the time. You could not say anything positive about Texas Tech football before Tyler Shuck announced his commitment to Texas Tech. Yeah. They just didn't want to hear it, and I understood that. Now that's completely changed. There really genuinely is there is some optimism around Red Raider football this offseason, in large part due to Shuck. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't wait to get him on the phone later on in the show today. Uh, we'll be a rock and pregame goes from uh, from you know now till about one o'clock. We'll be talking about Texas Tech sports, getting the update on everything that's going on. We've got recruiting updates. We got our rocking twenty five college basketball poll, and uh, you know we we just covered every Friday here. Um, if you're new to one hundred one point one, the beard, then uh, yeah, that's that's what we do. And then uh, one o'clock, we crank back up the music all weekend long, and in fact, all the way till I guess next Friday. So <laughs> when do we do this again? So. Uh, but that's what we got coming up today. Rock and reality check. You're know, finishing up the. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about things right now. I mean, I think baseball. It was disappointing when they went and they got swept in that uh, that opening tournament. You know, against the top you know top teams in yeah. the in the country. You hoped you could represent a little bit more as one of those top teams. But uh, you know, baseball early season baseball man. It's just you know sometimes you know, pitchers just got to get out there and get it get it going and. 
Um, so it's nice they've won some games, obviously against uh, some competition that wasn't near what right. that was in that tournament. But still, uh, it looks like maybe they're, they're rolling a little better as they head into the Shriners Classic uh, this weekend. So we'll tell you more about that coming up later on in the show, too, who Tech will be playing and so forth. And uh, coming up next, it is time to talk recruiting inside the Red Raiders recruiting. We'll uh, talk about that quarterback room that uh, now looks uh, looks pretty pretty dang good. And uh, just uh, maybe uh, is it a change in momentum for the program finally? We'll see. Here we are, a man down. Pete's not uh, Pete's out. What is he on assignment? Is that is that what they say when uh, when somebody is? Oh, he's, he's actually under the weather. Okay, all right. So he's not on assignment. All right. On assignment makes it sound much more important, by the way. (laughs) Inside the RedRaiders.com recruiting. All right. So we start off with football. You know, the quarterback room for Tech uh, looks pretty amazing now. That was was one of the the biggest question marks up until recently when uh, Tyler Shuck announced he was transferring, when we are going to talk with him later on in the show here. But uh, there's another guy now. I guess there's a first offer for, is it the 2022 class? Which sounds so futuristic, right? Like, I mean, like uh, sci-fi. No, Nick Evers. And this is actually kind of late in the cycle in terms of offering a quarterback. But, man, this guy's really blowing up. And, you know, what's interesting is Baron Morton was the only offer in the 2021 class that the tech coaching staff offered. And they landed him. Which, to give you an example, like, say, Alan Bowman, who, oh, by the way, uh, announced he's transferred to Michigan, but Alan Bowman was like the twelfth or thirteenth guy that Kingsbury offered back in wow. that class. To give you an that's idea, amazing, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a big deal. In my world, that's a big. You you target a guy and you land him. Now Nick Evers, he's six three six four, depending on what website you look at. Uh, well, I really love his arm talent. You, you you watch his film and it doesn't take long to see like, wow, he shouldn't throw that, but whoa, he got that to his receiver over the zone underneath. Uh, safety coverage, and he made that look easy. And that was like, and he was that was his third read. Like, okay, this yeah, where's guy, he? Where's he at? Flower Mound. Thank Flower you. Mound, okay. Flower Mound. Uh, he had a really good season th- this past year as a junior. And you know, when Tech offered on Monday, he already had a pretty good amount of offers, but he is truly blowing up now. Not only did Tech offer him on Monday, but TCU did as well. Uh, and then Auburn and Ole, I think Ole Miss offered him today, actually this morning. So in Auburn yesterday was he a guy that. You know, because we've talked about this a lot, some of these guys that Tech has been late offering, you know, when mm-hmm. they've already got established relationships with big, you know, some some of the blue blood type schools even. Is this guy, is, is Tech late to the party with him, or are they still they I mean, a, a I, you realistic could, You could shot, definitely make you know? the argument, um, and I have been critical in this class before of the staff doing that. But, look, the fact that you look at Tech's uh, quarterback room, which we're going to talk about, the fact that they did land Shuck, Tyler Shuck, the, the grad transfer, with three years of eligibility, oh, by the way, yeah. uh, coming over from Oregon. It's hard to criticize because they said, Coach Wells said, look, we're going we're gonna to you know, go through the portal and look for a guy, and then we're going to move our attention to 2022. And that's really what they're doing. Yeah. They haven't been in a rush. They haven't panicked. And, I, like, you know we're gonna have Shuck on uh, later on, but I know like he chose Tech over some pretty big offers. You know Cal, Arizona, Michigan, all were recruiting him hard, and he chose Texas Tech. So it's really hard for me to to, to sit here and be critical. I, I get the argument absolutely, yeah. but in terms of quarterback recruiting right now, Sonny Cumbie, Matt Wells, they're knocking it out of the park. Now their chances with Nick Evers. I I caught up with Nick on Tuesday. You know, the offer was announced late Monday night. I caught up with him Tuesday morning. He likes the coaching staff, right? He does. 
He re- he he genuinely does. He was offered during a Zoom me- Zoom meeting. His uh, family was on as well. His family seemed to like the coaching staff as well. But he has so many options. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he he really does. The thing is, is he wants to narrow down his list. You know, pretty quickly. He told me like that's coming really soon uh, because. Like we saw with Barron in this last class, uh, and we've seen before in all over the country, quarterbacks are your ringleader in terms of recruiting the rest of the class. Yeah. So he, wherever he does decide to go, Nick Evers, he wants to do it pretty soon so he can help that effort. Wow. Okay, that's cool. All right. Now you mentioned uh, you know, Bowman to Michigan. That was I, yeah. I was shocked with that. And so did that. Tell us how how that kind of played out. Yeah. Because Tyler Shuck was one of the top transfer quarterbacks available in yes. Michigan. That's a guy that they they were really hoping to they get to. They were recruiting right? him hard, yes. And uh, you know, recruiting a lot of times. I just mentioned like how you know the Bowman was the twelfth or thirteenth offer from Kingsbury back in that class. I mean, there's dominoes fall. You have your board. These coaches have their board similar to what we've seen like with uh, NFL draft boards. And then you go down the list. You know, you work yeah. you work your board. And uh, there's been that's why I really wanted to talk about. Uh, quarterbacks and quarterback recruiting again, even though we yeah. have here recently, because so much is changing, so much changes so quickly through the portal, a lot faster than even uh, just high school recruiting. And Tyler Shuck choosing Texas Tech was a huge domino. So that's where Michigan was, went, okay, who's the next guy? And literally on 24-7 sports transfer rankings, Shuck was one ahead of Alan Bowman in, in quarterback uh, position group uh, transfer portal rankings. So they went to their next guy in Bowman. Uh, I believe he visited actually uh, Michigan. You know, he couldn't. You can't actually see the staff mm-hmm. and all that. But and uh, he committed. Uh, I think I think it was over the weekend to Michigan. And you know, I think a lot of people were surprised. But I was hearing at first. I thought he would go to a G five school as well. To be honest, but I started hearing like South Carolina was was interesting and in, 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 you know want to know what Bowman was about. And you know, quarterback thing is like. People reach at quarterbacks, you know? Mm-hmm. And who's to say Bowman doesn't go up there and finds new life and tears it up for Michigan, you know? Yeah. He's going to have a lot of competition, though, to get on the field. So, But they they got a lot. Of, they don't have anybody. I think of the guys they had before Bowman got there, they had like, I think one guy had maybe a, like a, a snap in college ball or something. Yeah. I mean, they were very they, I think they got another yeah. train. I don't, I'm not a, I don't follow Michigan recruiting all that, all that much. But I do believe, you know, they got a big recruit in there. Mm-hmm. They think to play immediately. Very much in the in the same way you think about uh, Baron Morton, but it's, like, but it's from a standpoint of just experience. So at least they, Bowman yeah, another transfer a guy too. That's been, but yeah, no, yeah. I, absolutely. Yeah. Like they see it as a necessity, and I think from the way they're approaching it, not a not like how we are seeing Tyler Shuck here at Tech, to be honest, mm-hmm. but just nice having him. Absolutely, I think it was it was a big gift for Michigan in that regard. You know, and and when you say that, it, it's also interesting to me that Bowman. You know, would would go to a place like Michigan, where if they've got a big time recruit coming in who yeah. has a big shot. I mean, you know, he's a guy you know looking to play, obviously, mm-hmm. and that's why I am surprised that he didn't go to like a. He's a very G5 confident guy. He has you know? Big Ten, Ten Big Ten ties. His dad played for Penn State, yeah. so uh, he has that in his blood. Uh, you know, I a lot of people were surprised by it. I was initially from Michigan's perspective, but then yeah. again, you know, look. Bowman's had his had his moments, you yeah. know. And if you're not looking for him to be a savior, if you're looking for him to be a good addition to your quarterback mm-hmm. room, a guy who can step in there and win you some some Big Ten games, uh, if need be, then I think he's a great pickup from that regard, from yeah. that standpoint. All right, now just uh, if you're looking in your crystal ball, there, you know, just you know, let's say he he gets the starting job. Is 
you know, how, how do you think he does at Michigan? I mean, it's all speculation. Mm, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't I'm, I'm not really familiar with their, but, I don't you know. know how good their offensive line is. You know, yeah. obviously, uh, Big Ten is like Big 12 in that you're going to play really good athletes week in and week out. Yeah. I, you know, he has experience. I find with transfers, uh, and I, Bowman's definitely that caliber where he has had success. He does know what it takes to play Power 5 football. So I think, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, then I think he can have some success. Now, I think he has some limitations in terms of his arm, um, lack of mobility. Mm -hmm. This is what I've always said. This is why I said, okay, you know, maybe it's time for Tech to move on because of those limitations. But he's a smart guy. You know he's going to be prepared, and he's experienced. All right. So with, uh, you know, the quarterback room, man, I mean, it really doesn't seem like it was that long ago that we're (laughs) really sitting here lamenting the quarterback situation. and. Uh, and then all of a sudden you look up and you go, wow, okay, it looks it looks pretty crowded in there. But ha- has the momentum changed for Tech? Do you think from yes. from that standpoint? I mean, well, I mean, you look just it just this year in 2021, they've added Baron Morton, one of the highest rated guys they've ever recruited, mm-hmm. especially of the modern era, um, top 100 guy, lead 11 finalist, uh, born at Covenant, as Coach Wells said. You know, the Lovett guy, he gets it. He gets Texas Tech, all those things. Coach's son. He appreciates days like yesterday. He he understands. <laughs> He's very, you know, he grew up with that. He right, was born right. with that. So, you know, he was uh, West Texas when born. Let's put yeah, it that yeah. uh, Put it that way. So, and that's just him and himself. That's huge. Donovan Smith, the fact that he is able to throw, and we know that, is another huge thing. I mean, I've, re- like, I've seen him live. I, I know that, uh, or in person, and I know that you're familiar with his game, uh, you know, when he mm-hmm. did a friendship his senior year. And I'm a huge fan. I know the coaching staff, they're big fans of his as well. So those two guys you really like. But look, with where this program is, Coach Wells and his staff need to win right now. We all right. know that. He knows that. We all know that. Uh, starting the season with, with basically Henry Columbia. He's the only guy who'd, who'd taken power five snaps was very disconcerting. I mean, yeah. I think they, they really see Morton and Smith as the future. Um, and then you have Maverick McIver, which who knows what right, the, right. his situation is. But then to bring Tyler Shuck into this, 6'5", 220, led the pack 12 in passer efficiency last year, can run. He had uh, back-to-back 80-yard uh, rushing games to start the season last year. Um, I mean, he was actually high, higher ranked than, than Morton coming out of high school. Um, the, the fact he is actually going to be on campus for at least part of spring, that's the plan, that he's graduated. Uh, he, they're actually on the quarter system at Oregon. Uh, so in terms of just getting eligible, all that, compliance, that's the big holdup. But he's going to be here, and he's going to get to participate. That's the plan, at least the second half of spring ball, which okay. is, is huge. It's not necessary because he's experienced, but it's huge. So to have that, have Columbia as a legitimate backup, mm-hmm. either second or third string, right. and then you have Morton, Mm-hmm. And uh, Smith coming up, which so Shook has three years of eligibility, Jeff. Yeah, all right, wow. that's a lot okay. for a guy that really is, with yeah. experience and all that talent. We talked strongest arm that any of us have seen at Texas Tech since Mahomes. Uh, the fact that he has three years of eligibility, if he plays all those three years here without going to the NFL early, then uh, Baron Morton would still hypothetically have three years of eligibility remaining as a redshirt sophomore after Shuck left. Wow. So it's not That's, like, yeah. you know, and then Smith would have two years, you know, he because uh, he's a freshman. So, I mean, actually, I think he might have three years, too, because of the eligibility right, yeah. uh, waiver, NCAA eligibility waiver. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of positive things going on with the quarterback room, and it's it's kind of blown my mind in terms of the expectations I had going into it. I was really prepared 
you know, I've said off the air too. Right. Like, I'm really concerned about the quarterback position right, right. because they need to win now. I feel like they have a lot of talent coming in, but are they ready right now? And Tyler Shuck is ready right now. Right. I can't wait to see what he can do. In, well, that's in good news. Offense. All right, we've still got more recruiting coming up here. Some uh, offers going out. How many guys are going to sign on the dotted line for the Red Raiders? And uh, we'll get to that coming up next. Inside the RedRaiders.com recruiting. All right, we wish our buddy Pete the best. He's a little under the weather, and uh, hopefully he's feeling better. So we'll try to soldier on without uh, without Pete this uh, this morning. Is it still morning? Yeah, it's still morning, I guess, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it's 11.30. Yeah, it's morning. All right. It's afternoon somewhere. Okay, um, so uh, talk about recruiting. We just uh, were talking about uh, quarterbacks and all and how that's uh, actually surprisingly become an area of uh, great optimism now for Texas Tech. So if you're just joining us, uh, now we continue some Red Raider recruiting from inside the RedRaiders.com. And uh, the 2022 class, I know that we said that a while ago. It seems so futuristic, <laughs> yeah, man. It's sci-fi. like Space Age 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just to, let's just kind of discuss that, get an update on what's happening for Texas Tech with that and, uh, you know, the offers going out. Yeah, there are a lot of offers going out. I've talked to at least a dozen recruits who have received offers from Texas Tech over the last week, and I'm hearing a lot of good stuff. Um, I don't always report necessarily all the things that are said, but uh, you know, you get. I've been doing this for a while, and I, I have a pretty good feeling from, from what I'm hearing from these guys. I, I think they like this coaching staff. They like the idea of what's going on with uh, Texas Tech. But bottom line, brass tacks, right? Yeah. Uh, Texas Tech's the only Big 12 program right now without a commitment for this class. All right. Now, is that any sign of uh, panic here at the beginning of March? I mean, is that highly unusual? or It's unusual. Normally you have maybe one or two, but, man, what an unusual world we're living in, you know? I mean, <laughs> right, yeah. I don't yeah, want to yeah, make excuses. Yeah, define unusual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, <laughs> I don't want to make excuses in recruiting like this. These last two cycles in covering recruiting for a number of reasons, not just COVID, has been different. You know, um, so I don't want to overreact. Really, either way, no matter what kind of news we get, uh, obviously you'd like them to be off the schneid, so to speak, mm-hmm. and have at least one guy committed. And I think they have some guys like Major Everhart is a, a speedster, inside receiver, all-purpose back type out of Amarillo, uh, Tescosa, and I think. He might be a guy who jumps on board. I think he's, you know, a very good candidate. There's a guy, Jeremy Patton, uh, a freak out in East Texas. He plays linebacker, safety, running back, quarterback sometimes when they just got to score. He is a freak and really blowing up. He's a uh, Tex among his top schools. He just recently told 24-7 Sports with, of course, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma State. You know, I mean, those are the usual suspects. Uh, And then, you know, Kyler Jordan, locally, Texas Tech offered uh, just this week. And finally, which I was like, please yeah, he's offer. The, he's the Cooper. Yes, kid, from Robert right? yeah. Cooper. Yes, yeah. uh, he's a he's a uh, just a great football player. I I don't say that a lot. Um, I think the thing with him is figuring out how he fits in Tech's system. And I'm really glad that they finally got over uh, any kind of impasse in terms of offering him. Just sometimes you see a guy who just makes plays, and you know his his style will translate. Just make it work. Right. And that was that's the case with Kyler Jordan. I talked to him uh, after the offer. He was ecstatic about it. Now, he has offers from Baylor now, uh, SMU. He, he, academics are really important to him. SMU and Rice are really standing out to him, along with the Baylor offer. But a lot of schools like TCU, Oklahoma State, watch out because they'll probably end up offering him. He's a three-star defensive end type. But uh, he's just he's a very physical 
player. He's a guy that you don't have to worry about him being physical. When he arrives at the ball carrier, the ball carrier goes backwards, like every time. There's no no doubt you've he, been hit. It's not like a wrap up where a guy bounces off. Yeah, no, he he lights him up, and I like. That's my favorite. Guys who like to hit are my favorite in the sport. Guys who can so, play with as much violence as allowed. Yeah, yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's right. Like uh, <laughs> Charlie Curley is another 2022 yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah. In, and Texas in a really good spot with him. A forward Nolan, all-state guy there. So there are a lot of really good candidates. It's just pull the, who's going to pull the trigger and get them going. Because I, I mentioned in the last segment that uh, you know so much of recruiting is like one domino falls and then bam, 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 bam. All, you know, and so I think Tech just needs to break through, uh, break the seal. Get that first guy on the commitment list, and then I think a lot more will follow after mm-hmm. that. So, do you say they're the only team in the Big Twelve that doesn't, that doesn't have, have a commitment, commitment for this class? Okay, yes. man. And so. some have like, I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, you look at like Texas and Oklahoma, and then, I mean, they have like a handful of guys already. You know, yeah. Uh, but that's, but that's really, expected. It's really hard two. to. Where I'm nervous is that, like Oklahoma State, West Virginia, you know. Uh, you're behind them, and that's really who you're measured against. That's who you should right. be competing with. You know, and Baylor does a really good job. I, I feel like Baylor's offered some guys that you could have offered earlier, but it's not so late in the cycle that they can't make this up, you know? Um, and then you got to look at, like, how how many guys are they going to sign? Right. Because I know this puzzles a lot of Tech fans, because you want them, like, sign 25 high school guys, you know? Right. And it's just not... Right. It's just not how recruiting them. I don't, not even some of the blue bloods don't sign twenty five guys. No, you know it's just it's a different world we're living in uh, in recruiting just than from like three four years ago. Well, like I said, you, the the eligibility because of all the COVID yeah. stuff has changed things, and all oh, the transfer portal has obviously changed things. And so there's it just seems like it's kind of like a a log jam of players now yeah. trying to find a home now. And, and Tech has nine seniors returning. I think seven were starters from last year. Which that just that never happened before. They never had a like. Hey, you want to play another senior year? Sure. You know, right, I, yeah. I, my my lifetime, anyways, they, that's never happened before. So I mean, you got to account for those scholarships, and then you also uh, all these transfers they brought in. And these are guys for the most part. Um, now there's some guys that are like T.J. Sormans, a grad transfer senior, only has one year. But I mean, you really need to bring in a tackle, right? Yeah. yeah uh, always. You know, Marcus Waters filled a big void there at safety. He's a grad transfer. You need him. I mean, he's a guy who played a lot uh, at Duke. Very good player. Uh, one of the top 50 transfer players in the portal, according to 24-7 Sports, this cycle. But the rest of the guys have three, four years of eligibility. And these guys from that, that have started at Power 5 programs. So you're not mortgaging the future with them, mm-hmm. and you're not taking guys like young guys or guys who couldn't play necessarily. It's just for one reason or the other, their situation didn't work out. They were looking for another opportunity, and bam. You know? Yeah. And you see, like it seems like for several years here, you know, Tech when they were in the situation of taking, you know, twenty three, twenty four guys or something. Mm-hmm. How many of those guys really yes. had a sh- a realistic shot? It was it was numbers of guys, right. but it, you know, a lot of those guys. No, man, that's were, a really good point. Is that's one thing if you were looking to be optimistic about Tech recruiting, and, and, but still have a valid point, is that this staff isn't reactive in terms of offering. Well, I would say panic, guys. You know what I mean? If anything, you know, the criticism would be like, why haven't you offered that guy? Which, if I could choose between the two, I'd rather have this philosophy. You know, because those scholarships, man, that's really like the most valuable thing they have. Right. The scholarships and playing time. That's it. And that's the currency of college college athletics. And uh, I, I like that there's some guys that I, I think uh, the fan base, the guys that cover, people that cover recruiting, follow it, even fans, uh, 
like, why don't you offer this guy? And I'd be like, mm, okay, I, I get, like, there's, maybe he's not a fit, or maybe he's overrated. Like, this guy, I know this guy's overrated. Yeah. You know, they're just looking at the recruiting stores where Tech didn't jump at, you know, jump after it. They waited, they found a better fit, and, like, I mean, you look at all the freshmen that played last year and played pivotal roles, especially on offense. So, and then all the veterans they have returned on defense, I mean, I personally am a fan of how they're managing the roster and how they're going about it. Now, that being said, it goes back to they still have zero high school commits for the 2005 class. So I think that's the next thing. Coach Wells said he's really going to hit the portal hard. They were going to focus their attention on that. I really like I think they've blown the expectations out of the water, especially with Shuck answering the number one question for me about this program this offseason was who's going to play quarterback next year. Uh, And then all the other guys, some of the guys I mentioned. But now it's time for them to really attack the 2022 class, and they're, they're doing that. They're doing a great job. They've also, you know, they've beefed up some of their support staff, the recruiting staff, um, you know, brought in an analyst. They're, they're making an effort to improve on the recruiting trail, a concerted effort. They're investing in it, and I, I just feel like if they can do, if they can win some games, they got to win some games right. this fall and keep this going, the, the roster's going to be improved. No matter how you feel about the coaching staff, this roster is going to be improved. Yeah, the and you're right. The additions to the uh, to the recruiting staff. I mean, they didn't they they brought in like two different, two new, brand new. Are they new positions? Because I know they they shifted one some of the existing people one, around too. The, they well, the analyst was a new position. I believe they're doing. They're going to get another analyst too that I don't think they've named yet. And then the, in terms of the recruiting uh, positions, one was a replacement, one was a new one, a yeah, new, newly okay. created one. Yeah. So. All right, because yeah, by recruiting by you know even Big Twelve standards, I think Tech didn't really have a a huge recruiting staff compared to some of the other schools in the conference. What I would say even, is it was right? between G five and way it was like way better than G five, but way behind other Power Five. Yeah. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah, okay. that's that's where they're at. Well, that's that's encouraging in that they're you know improving the recruiting effort and hopefully yes. some. Is that one guy that brought in? I, I, like I said, so new. I can't think of what his name is off the top of my head. You'll tell me. But uh, he came from Purdue, and before that, he he had some experience at Ohio State. Uh, I guess so. Hopefully, he he learned something about some uh, top yeah, level. Aaron Hodges is who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, no, and one of the things he did right when he got here was uh, post on Twitter like, "I want to talk to every high school coach. Come on, you yeah, know, in Texas. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, he invited. Very first thing he did." was invite all the high school coaches to contact him and for him to get to know him. And I was like, that's, what, okay, this guy apparently gets it. Yeah. You know? I mean, Does he have any experience in Texas? You have to. If you're, if you're Ohio in State, college, probably, they well, yeah, if you're in college, yeah, if you're in college football, you have to have some ties and have recruit, especially, like you said, in Ohio State. I mean, they recruit yeah, everywhere. They recruit so, everywhere, exactly. Yes, yeah. he does have some. And, and I guess he should have some good Indiana ties then, right, being at <laughs> Purdue. Yeah, you know, Tech, actually, between him, Kevin Cosgrove, and some other guys, they actually have some pretty nice Midwest ties. And there's some good Yeah, because, like, Illinois is, is right. a place that they're, they're getting some, yeah, that, that's that's interesting for Tech, you know, to have to have. Hey, man, that, it's all so, about yeah. relationships. You get you take advantage of anything you can get. Right, Any, right. any advantage you have. <laughs> all right, well, uh, some good updates there. And, uh, yeah, we always, uh, every, like I said, if you're ever new to the Rock and Pregame show, if new to 101.1 The Beard, this is a show we do on uh, Fridays during the non-football season. We always do this from 11 to 1 on Fridays. During football season, we actually go on game day, usually, which uh, typically is a is a Saturday. 
So uh, that's what this is all about. So, yeah, we do. We shut down the music for a couple hours, talk Texas Tech sports. And then uh, at 1 o'clock rolls around, we fire it all back up. And it's the uh, it's the normal thing that you hear on 101.1 The Beard. So, all right. So when we come back here, it is time to talk Red Raider basketball. Uh, they're on a three-game winning streak and uh, finish the regular season this weekend against Baylor. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about that game uh, coming up. Also, what seed will the Red Raiders have if uh, you know the NCAA tournament was today? Texas Tech basketball. Mention once again, Pete not with us today. He is uh, he's a little under the weather, and we wish him the best. Hopefully, our little buddy will well, be back Pete. Uh, a week <laughs> a from, buddy. from today. I'm sure he likes that. Our angry elf. <laughs> Oh, man, I can't wait to say that. Hey, little buddy, how you doing? Awesome. And happy New Year. He's out here to defend himself, so, so you can do That's anything. Perfect. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Texas Tech basketball. So, uh, here we are. They're on a three-game winning streak, so we're yes. going to uh, discuss that. One thing I want to share real quick here, I just noticed, with you know, uh, it was on, uh, was it Tuesday, when Governor Abbott uh, said that uh, this coming Wednesday, the uh, mask mandate will end and everything goes back to 100%. Well, uh, Texas Tech, I know the, the, the student Senate, you know, I guess last night, had a big vote and 60% in favor of continuing uh, mask wearing and all. So mm-hmm. Texas Tech has uh, just released this. They say yesterday, the Texas Tech University system released guidance following Governor Abbott's Tuesday announcement regarding lifting the statewide mask mandate and limitations on indoor capacity effective March 10th. Governor Abbott's executive order provides us the flexibility to continue with our safety protocols as we see appropriate. Following the system's recommendation and out of safety considerations for our students, faculty, and staff, and to minimize disruptions, Texas Tech University will continue to require face coverings and social distancing in the classroom and indoor settings through the remainder of the spring semester. So that's the official line from Tech. So as long as I guess they uh, don't leave the campus... (laughs) <laughs> Never set foot off of it. They right. can do that, I guess. So, um, all right. So, I guess we're, we're not going to see any change in any kind of uh, venues or anything uh, for now. Anyway, maybe by fall. We'll see. More and more people, I guess, uh, down for the vaccine. And um, fascinating times we live in, though. It's going to be interesting come come Wednesday when, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of people just ditching masks for good. And then you're going to have the people that are going to still wear them and then probably looking down on the people not. And <laughs> then it's just going to be one more one more thing. Divisive. Like, it is. Yeah. It, it's just a constant division. Everything that happens, it leads to one more thing where, you know, you just. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of, a lot of uh, just going around town recently, you know, the ma- the mask mandate has already lessened in some places, like dramatically. Oh, you know? I went to the grocery store and there wasn't hardly anybody. Really? It was. Yeah. I saw people, elderly people, the most vulnerable in the population. Oh, not yeah. Wearing no, I've masks. seen that too. I mean, you know, yeah. so it just. But, Numbers are way down too, you know what I mean? Right, and I don't, I'm not trying to say here or there. I mean, right. I'm not definitely not trying to make a statement on that. No, no. I, I stick to sports. I'm trying right. to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what I try and spend a lot of my time on, you know, uh, yeah. it's what I like to talk about. I act like I know what I'm talking about. Right, you know, right. And, uh, I, I definitely don't hear I'm no doctor. I didn't sleep at a Holiday Inn Express, but uh, <laughs> I have noticed that Yeah, even who you think would be the most vulnerable are, are uh, right. in, in uh, big numbers are not wearing masks. Right. Now, it's interesting. I'm just, I think we're, I'm just hoping for a time where, you go to a packed stadium and hear the roar of the crowd, you know? I mean, you know what's been great so is we've, the mask, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but it's, it appears to me that the fans at the USA, and it's over now, the season, they're not playing, they, that was just the home finale, so hopefully it won't get anybody in trouble, but it seems like the mask mandate lessened and the crowds were louder. 
Right. Yeah. They were yeah, because yeah. they were they literally were not muzzled. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, like, I know. So this, it made yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. In the game, like they had an impact on those last two home games. Well, that's what we're keeping our fingers crossed that the maybe students, by yeah, football absolutely. season, man, it'd just be great to just oh, it'd just be great to have a full stadium. We can only hope. All right. Well, uh, enough of that. Now back to basketball here. Three game win streak. Beat Iowa State last night. And, you know, and, and Iowa State, obviously not one of the better teams in the conference this year, but still dangerous. You know, still a dangerous Absolutely. team. But Tech came out and uh, took care of business last night. Well, look, that second since the second half against Texas, a couple games back, this team has really ratcheted up the intensity on defense. Coach Beard said it. Mighty Joe Yeager on the inside of the Red Raiders uh, wrote about it. I've been talking about it to anybody who will listen to me. Uh this defense, they're finally playing Red Raider defense, what we've seen from the best editions of Texas Tech basketball under Chris Beard. I felt like they, they were playing good defense. Now they're playing elite, smothering defense. Where I mean, against TCU, good offensive players, Big 12, legit caliber offensive players could not get a shot off. Forget getting a good shot. At one point in the second half, they just started chucking it from like even deep for NBA standards. Where they had almost no shot. This wasn't like open threes, deep, you know, which is killed range. tech right. most of the season. Which it, it's not anymore. If you notice, you know, they've done a lot better. A lot even against in games they lost, like Kansas, uh, Oklahoma State. Those teams didn't shoot well from from deep. That's not why Tech lost. But it's a whole nother level. And I tell you what, against Iowa State, there was a lapse uh, in the early in the, or in the, late in the in the first half. And Coach Beard called timeout immediately in two instances. And got all over. One was Reek. Boy, he loves to get after Reek. I assume Reek can take it, which is one of the reasons why he does it. Uh, and I can't remember who the second time was, but he he's not letting them let up. Like they're going to play tremendous defense for as close to forty minutes as they can now, and that has me thinking. Look out! Yeah, yeah. That's and th- that that is the hallmark of Texas Tech teams. Now, now somebody could sit here and go, okay, yeah, that was really great, but. They they were playing Iowa State and sure. TCU. TCU swept and Oklahoma State. Keep that in mind. Right. They're legitimate. They won both games against Oklahoma State. All right. Um, they're a dangerous team. Iowa State. I'll I'll give you that. They Iowa State is terrible. Uh, Texas is as talented as anybody I, I've seen. Including like they're up there with Gonzaga in terms of talent. And Tech really shut them down in the second half. Yeah. So, so and and I'm so I mean I, I definitely believe the intensity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying a lot of people so will sit like, there. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was like, hey man, don't come at me, bro. I, I'm not angry. I just feel strongly about it. I, yeah. You know. I, but I, there's just people that will say that. Yeah. Sure. They beat Iowa State. Who cares? You know. No. Yeah. They handle their business. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm definitely not gonna say who cares. I expected them to beat them. Mm-hmm. I think it was they were 17 and a half point favorites, and I expected Tech to cover. Uh, Especially once our Bolton wasn't playing too, you know, like okay, yeah. I mean, come on, just yeah. blow them out, run them out of the gym, and they did, right? So, you know what like I mean? Like you said, they and did what they were expected to, to do. To me, it's keeping up the intensity. Here's some other things I like. All right, McClung making that that contested runner at the end of the first half. That the degree of difficulty in that shot. I mean, come on, guys. The fact that you have that ace in the hole in those situations mm-hmm. is something you didn't have last year. That's huge. Terrence Shannon, how explosive does he look? It's yeah. night and day. Guy looked like, you know, uh, he couldn't get off the ground. He was more like one of us rec players, you know, <laughs> playing below the rim. And Shannon is a high flyer. I think he's one of the best dunkers, and this is saying something for Texas Tech. There have been some great dunkers in Red River basketball history, but he's up there in the Pantheon. Yeah. He's one of the best. Yeah. And he's throwing it down on anybody he want, you know, he didn't like. He'll look them up, and he's dunking on their heads right now. Yeah. Every game, now that he's kind of, you can tell he's healthy. That's huge for Texas Tech. And then you start to see Marcus Santa Silva. He's playing great consistently. Man, Kyler Edwards, 
he's shooting over 40% from three now. Right, Take yeah. that from every player every year. I mean, that's right, I mean, he's right. really stepped up. Uh, and then, of course, the way the bench is playing, I mean, I feel really confident that that bench could come in, and in some cases, guys like Reek, guys like Clarence Nadaldi, Agbo, you know, they can lock up defensively really good teams, almost as good as, and maybe even, you can make the argument better than the starters. We know Nadalny, to me, if I was going to vote for most improved player this year, man, he'd get my vote easily to, to me. Because I tell you, he just, you know, even at the first of the season, watching him play, you know, it looked like a role player coming off the bench, sure. you know, and be, you know, in He was out of control game. on both ends yeah, of the floor. It I mean, was just, yeah, he just, it just wasn't happening. And then it just seems like, it's about the time he cut his hair. <laughs> now, I don't know what you make of that. Right. But I'm telling you, he looked like a different player. It's I mean, true, though. literally, he looked different, but he played different. And it seemed like, he just turned something on and became a, a guy that is a legitimate option out there. He's now, one of you know? the best perimeter defenders. Yeah, right now. Oh yeah. He's you know, forget the really feature. Good. Like right now, you put him in. You know, he's going to play. He's going to bring it, and he's physical. Yeah, not going to back down from anybody. Right. You know, uh, I don't know. I was asking how many French guys, like in our lifetime, would you associate with toughness? I don't, yeah, the, you know, yeah the, how many times we had to bail him out in World you know, Wars I, and stuff. I mentioned, you know? yeah, right, yeah, right. I mentioned Mighty Joe uh, earlier. He said Andre the Giant, and I was like, okay, granted. Andre the Giant was French? Yeah, I know. Wow, I, I, know, I didn't I know. even know that. I had <laughs> so no idea. I was like, okay, all right, I had to begrudgingly. But other Andre, than Andre the Giant, yeah. right, uh, you got... Clarence Ndolny, so because he, yeah. man, he's he's a, he's definitely a street street dog. Yeah, I, I love the way he plays basketball. Yeah, I, and obviously Beard does too. I, I don't want to, to end this segment without mentioning Micah Peavy too, because he's really stepped up. Um, I honestly, if there was a, sur- a surprise, was his struggles offensively, because uh, he brings something on defense. He's mm-hmm. a great facilitator. I think then he, he didn't get enough credit for that. Um, but now he's really settled down offensively to where he's become that kind of threat that I thought he would be. Yeah. He's a legitimate mid-range scorer for you. And if you don't uh if you're paying too much attention to Shannon or McClung or Kyler now who's lighting it up from deep, right, yeah. then PV will absolutely tear you up. And then there's Kevin McCuller, oh by the way. Right, yeah, I mean yeah. who I a lot of people will say he's the heart and soul of your team. So after doom and gloom not that long ago, now it's like Tech's playing their best basketball in March. I can't wait to see how they do against Baylor who's come up. They look Vulnerable when they first came back. Now, geez, you know, yeah. they beat West Virginia there, and they just uh, who was it? Oklahoma State. They just beat. So I mean, you know, they look tough. I can't wait to see just how those two teams match up. Yeah. Great defense versus great offense. Big Twelve tournament. We'll have to see. And then right. really, what I, for me, I can't wait to to the to March Madness. Yeah. The tournament. Oh yeah. Because I think this team is really gear enough to make a make another run. They are they are poised and playing some good basketball right now, which is encouraging. It's uh, almost noon here on K O N E Lubbock one hundred one point one The Beard. So uh, Marco Santos Silva is another guy you, you, know, you mm-hmm. mentioned, but he's he's not fouling as much. He's been no. playing really aggressive, and and he's he's really uh, seems like he's kind of finding his stride. I I don't know what. And Beer's the, the master of this. I don't know what buttons he pushed. I don't know what's in the water or whatever. But, yeah, all these guys seem to have taken a turn in taking that next step. Maybe it's just them playing together. I, I don't know. But whatever it is, whatever the magic formula is, Santa Silva's a big part of it. Um, and then Reek backing him up, too. Right. Reek's yeah. giving yeah, him really coming good on good too. Mix, yeah. you know, on yeah. both ends of the court. So, And they're different players, which I really like. Santa Silva is a really skilled offensive player. I mean, he's one of those uh, throwback, back-to-the-basket 
Great footwork. He's he looks ambidextrous to me. Right? See, he's he's like sneaky good in that regard. I think you don't look at yeah. him and think that, but he'll make those plays. And you're like, dang. No, he is a very skilled basketball yeah. player. You know, oh, yeah. and I remember watching his highlights from VCU before he transferred in. It took me most of his highlights to figure out what until I saw him shoot a free throw, what hand he was. Yeah. I mean, if he was right handed right. or left handed, yeah. because he is adept. Yeah. If he was three inches taller, he'd be in the NBA already. Wow. Just yeah. honestly, I mean, he would be. Because he, uh, he's among the leaders in the Big 12 in block shots. People don't realize that. But he's 6'7", and he's a big dude. You know, he's like 240 or whatever. That's a slim down 240. Right. Uh, but he, uh, he's got really good timing, anticipation, and long arms. That helps as a shot blocker. And then with everything else, he, he, he uh, gives you. So, and, and then, you know, we mentioned Kyler Edwards has uh, seemed like he's really stepped up his game and, and he's shooting better and all. So now you got, you know, McClung and Kyler Edwards as your floor generals there. And McClung's another guy that I feel like he's taking it to the taking it to the basket more and making, yeah. you know, more of those plays going inside a lot more than he was early in the season, it just appears. And uh, so now you got Kyler Edwards and Mac McClung out there, two floor generals. What's the benefit of that for Texas Tech, you think? Well, you know what it reminds me of? I, and honestly, I haven't really thought about it until you just said that. But uh, in the, the year they went to the national title game, you know, they really relied heavily on Culver in the early part of the season in terms of, like, you got to just give him the ball, everybody get out of his way. But once the season progressed, uh, you know, Moretti was handling the ball more, and then Mooney started becoming, you mm-hmm. know, a legitimate, like, first option if you needed him. You know, a, a great scorer. Uh, and that really is when Tech took that next step. Yeah. Because how do you guard all these guys? You know, right. you can't, you know. Um, and also, Culver wasn't so tired at the end of games because he wouldn't have to, to do so much early on. Right. And like I said, that really just, Tech took, obviously took that next step. And you're seeing that with Tech this year where there was a low, like stretches of this season where McClung had to just do it because nobody right. else could generate any offense. Yeah. And that's just not the case right now. I mean, you're getting offense from everybody. I mean, you really are. And Kyler uh, knocking down shots from deep, that's, that really opens up things. I mean, because that was really a big missing component. You really had McClung, who's not like a high percentage shooter. He's a volume scorer. Right. He's great. Yeah. And he's yeah. a great, like you said, he's a great finisher. Uh, some of those finishes he had against Iowa State last night I had me out of my seat. Right. I, oh, yeah. Some of those reverses and stuff. Yeah. And then you throw in Shannon, a healthy Shannon. Right. That's a big they become very. Yeah. They shot 61% last night. Wow. All right. Uh, that, they become very difficult to guard, like you said, with those with both Edwards and McClung playing at a high level. McClung not having to, to do so much throughout the entire game. Uh, and all those guys contributing. You can throw it down to Santa Silva. He can get you a bucket, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or he's very good at kicking it out and aware of his shooters. He actually had a assist against TCU where he rebounded, and in midair he threw it out to Kyler, who knocked down one of his four three-pointers in that game. So that was like, that's really athletic. Like for the six, seven, 240-pound dude to, yeah. to make that play, you know, and just have the awareness to do that. So all those things are starting to kind of click, and uh, like I said, man, I'm really excited about the, the rest of the season. Well, get ready to uh, play the play Baylor next, and uh, man, that's I'm looking forward to yeah, uh, that's seeing a that great game. Measuring what, stick. what time is it? Is it three p.m. on Sunday, actually. Three oh Sunday. Uh, okay. I know. I'm okay. so used to again Saturday. Thing is Saturday. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, three p.m. I would have been sitting there. It's, uh, on, lost it's on Espen, the, oh, the flagship. It's on ESPN. It's so. on the real one. The real one, not the Ocho right. or ESPN Plus or anything like that. Nice. Okay. So uh, three o'clock on Sunday, Texas Tech Baylor to wrap up. The regular season, and then next week, of course, the uh, the Big 12 tournament comes along. All right, so uh, coming up next here, the Red Raiders in baseball. Uh, they're back and now head to Houston for the Shriners Classic. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, let you know who all is participating in that tournament. Text prospects this weekend. 
All right, still to come today, we'll be unveiling this week's Rockin' 25 college basketball poll with our rocketologists Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter. Red Raider Baseball. Keep your hand on your gun. All right, Red Raider Baseball. So, uh, you know, open the season, a uh, big tournament in Arlington and got swept by SEC competition. And I think a lot of Tech fans were a little disappointed. You know, you can be yeah. one of the top programs. You, you hope you can go represent against other top programs a little better than getting swept. But baseball, you know, you're going to lose some games and no reason for panic. But uh, they've come back and won some, you know, had that Houston Baptist Basically series. Basically played home run that. derby against right, Houston yeah. Baptist and Texas Southern. I mean, it's been... Yeah. They've been just knocking it out of the park and yeah, run rolling so. them, and it, they but, did. They handled their business, much like right. we talked about. The basketball team should have run Iowa State out of the gym and did. They uh, they had a home run derby against lesser competition, right? But the, but they they did. Like I said, they took care of business. They did what they were expected to do, and that is to beat up on lesser competition. So that's that's a good thing. So now uh, this weekend, in fact, starting today, Texas Tech traveling to Houston for the Shriners Hospitals. For Children College Classic, uh, too bad they couldn't come up with a, a longer name <laughs> there. But uh, that's a mouthful there. But right. uh, so number ten, Texas Tech Red Raiders, uh, also participating in the tournament this weekend. You've got Sam Houston State, Texas State, and then Texas A and M Corpus Christi. The Islanders yep. are there. So that'd tech, be cool to go to clearly. school there, right? Oh yeah, I would think. Like I would. That'd be yeah, all right. Head down to the beach all the right, time. Get your degree. Do your homework. And, on the be a beach bum. But who? Well, homework. Wait a minute. Uh, I know yeah. that would be just the problem. The would be like, yeah, that would be the problem. Was, you know, don't want to go to the beach or go to class. Hmm, difficult to say. That's that, a tough one. That, that would be tough. Of course, now if you're doing Zoom classes, well, I you guess go. you, you do, know, it do it on the, the beach. beach right? Yeah. yeah. Just well. have your uh, board shorts on and then have like a polo or whatever where you look like you're in your, right. you know. Ha- yeah, just have your nice background. Have a fake Zoom background. There, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. You know, have, yeah, have your home, home library. <laughs> where I have many leather-bound books. And Jeff, we have this figured out, man. We do. What? Which is going on when I was going to school? Uh, all right, so clearly Tech. You know, you look at the field this week, uh, this weekend. Right. Uh, Tech's the class of the field. There certainly these are again teams that you know Tech ought to to go in. There's and, a couple and good programs. Sam Houston well. State. That's a good program. Right. Yeah, nothing Texas against State. them. I'm just saying Tech ought to. Right. You're number ten in the country. You should. Yeah. yeah. All right. So first game uh, coming up tonight yep. at seven o'clock against Texas State. Yep. So, you know. Uh, Brandon Bursels is going to be on the mound again. Uh, it's going to be the same guy starting as, as last weekend. Uh, you know, I, I, I definitely, like, I'm interested to see how he does. You know, he doesn't have the greatest ERA. He, uh, he right. is 1-0. Uh, but I want to see if he has good stuff tonight. And hopefully, you know, I have a lot of respect for Texas State. I really do. But uh, like you said, you like to see Tech build on these uh, five victories. Right, right. And, and to really be, you know, if you, when you're considered one of the elite programs in the nation, yes. you know, you want, to, you want to appear like you're an elite program. You know, it's funny with pitching, though. You know, usually this time of year it's, when it's, uh, you know, the weather's cold and everything, mm-hmm. a lot of times pitchers, it takes them a little longer maybe to get going. You know, they like to, I think most pitchers like to uh, pitch more when it's hot, you know, and get good yeah. and loose. And it just seems like they, they usually come around. Uh, come around there. You know, little, one thing that I just I wanted to mention at the beginning and didn't was the fact that they get to play at Minute Maid Park. They've already played in your first ten games. You played at Globe Life Field and at Minute Maid Park. I mean, come on. You, you think Tadlock's not using it on the recruiting trail? Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's nice. Yeah. How awesome is that for these players and yeah. the coaches? But I mean, for the players to get to go play in these parks, right? Oh yeah, that is pretty neat. All right, that's uh, so. Yeah, this weekend now. As far as uh, keeping up with this, is there? I guess this isn't. This is another one. Is it's not on. Uh, Actual uh, regular TV. What is this? The AT and T Sports 
What is Sports this? Sports Live Southwest. Southwest. <laughs> I don't even know what. Man, you got to oh. dial down pretty deep for that one. I, I don't think I'm a subscriber to that. So It's got to be better than Flow Baseball, though, right? You yeah. Can, you can watch it at Astros.com. Okay. Astros.com. Nice. Okay, thank Thanks, you very much, Sean. That is... Um, that's good. So you don't have to you don't have to be a subscriber to something on that. Astros.com. That was okay. terrible. I don't know if you'll saw like that flow. Yeah. TV th- I mean, I'm I, not trying to create an enemy in flow baseball here, but I mean, yeah, flow, no go, no go. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, that was one that I, I was like, I'm not going to subscribe to that. I mean, I yeah. subscribe to every stupid TV <laughs> thing there is. I think, but, but I was like, man, I can't take on one more. I was just amazed that tournament, uh, a tournament of that stature to yeah. kick off the baseball season that. There was no, there was just no other option. I feel like somebody dropped the ball. Yeah, there. that's weird. Flow just really old flow baseball. There, could you not even put it on here. like you know the the Fox Sports Southwest Plus? Even even yeah, that would have been uh, better. Something but right? Anyway, they didn't ask me, so <laughs> uh, so yeah, no wonder. All right, so anyway, Tech baseball back in action this weekend, and uh, hopefully they'll perform well at the Shriners Classic down in Houston. Um, all right, so um, coming up, oh, yeah, oh yeah, go with, so Saturday. They, I just want to say who's pitching. You got Patrick Monteverdi, who I mean, he's been impressive so far. That's you know against Sam Houston State uh, Saturday, and then Mason Montgomery will finish up uh, take the mound uh, Sunday, and that's against Texas A and M Corpus Christi. So uh, you know, to me, I, I want to see how the starters are doing. Of course, bullpen, you want to see all that, but uh, I really want to see how these starters do this weekend against. Better competition than what we saw last weekend. Right. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Still not the up to par with the tech. Probably you would think, but right. better than the the latest opponents yep. for sure. So, all right. Well, uh, we come back next year. It's rocking interview time, and uh, can't wait to talk to uh, new Red Raider quarterback Tyler uh, Tyler Shuck. He's uh, shucking it, it up here. That's yes, right. Shuck. <laughs> yes, I know that's it, which is so crazy the way it's spelled. I, I don't know that anybody was expecting that, but Tyler Shuck. So we'll be shucking it up. Oh, boy. That's a Sean special right That's there. That's right, yeah. yeah thank you. Sean Sean's the writer sure. for the show, so yes. Uh, but uh, but no, uh, Jared will have a lot of questions for him. We'll get to know him and uh, see what he's all about. And, uh, you know, I know, I know we heard that when we got to talk with uh, Baron Morton. Yeah. Just hearing him talk about, you know, his approach and all. Man, I really, I was like, wow, this this kid's smart. So anxious to see what uh, well, Tyler Shuck Tyler got two say, degrees so. from Oregon in three years. So he's pretty smart, you know. <laughs> and wow. I think, I think, yeah, I think uh, Red Ritter fans are going to be. Uh, he's a neat guy. I think they're really going to enjoy uh, hearing from him. All right. Well, boy, with two degrees, I'll just, I'll probably just shut up on, on this <laughs> one. I don't want to look stupid. It's the Rockin' Interview. Welcome back to the Rockin' Pregame. I'm Jared Johnson, and I'm joined by new Texas Tech quarterback Tyler Shuck. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Jared. How about yourself? I'm good. I really appreciate you joining us, taking the time. I know you're really busy and there's a lot going on, but before we move forward at all, let's let's talk about your name because I I know Tech fans are going to see the spelling and want to know the pronunciation. And I'm sure you get this a lot, but uh, it is Shuck, right? Correct. Yes, it is. It is Shuck. Um, yeah, it does not look like it sounds. Um, but yes, it, it should be S H U C K, but it's pronounced Shuck. So how how many times have you had to answer that question? Uh, probably my whole <laughs> life. I don't think I've ever met somebody who's got it right on the first try, uh, unless you knew me prior. But uh, yeah, once once it kind of sticks, and it's just like it, you kind of go with it. But uh, everyone calls me T Shuck or I uh, or it, it, I usually just kind of everyone rolls with it or just Shuck. So, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely weird. But once you get it, once you get it, though, it's kind of hard to forget. 
And for those who, if you're a Red Raider fan listening to the show and you don't know about Tyler Shuck, the fact that uh, he's transferring in from Oregon and, uh, you know, big-time recruit both coming out of high school in Arizona and also uh, in, in the transfer portal. A uh, man, this uh, 6'5", 220-pound quarterback uh, just committed here last month. Big news for uh, Red Raider football. Tyler, kind of, can you give us an idea First off, why you chose Texas Tech, and then how crazy the recruitment was? Uh, how because you announced on February twelfth, and then it was, you know, pretty like wham bam, you know, the announcement you were committing to Tech. Yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, once I entered my name in the transfer portal, there was probably over um, twenty to thirty schools who contacted me immediately, um, and Texas Tech was one of them. Texas Tech was probably one of the first ones. Coach Wells called me once my name was in it, and we had a great conversation, and then. Ultimately, what it came down to is just after narrowing down the schools of places that I feel like would be a best fit for me and the program, um, it just came down to the, the opportunity to come in and compete, um, the relationship with the coaches, um, and, and the and obviously the guys on the team and the culture of the team. Like Texas Tech, even from the outside, and obviously talking with some of the guys on the team, it just it sounded like the place to be. Um, they they work hard. Um, they they, they want to win. They want to win bad. They're not just in it just to. To, to be on the team and have fun. Um, I know a lot of other schools are just kind of um, just happy to be there. But, you know, Texas Tech, Tech, Tech um, is definitely has a winning culture, and I, I feel like all the coaches and players are, are, are in it to win it, and, and they're going to work their butts off to, to do that. And I wanted to be a part of it. So I just wanted to come in and, and get out to West Texas and, and start throwing the ball around and <laughs> start, uh, start swinging around a little bit more. And, Tyler, a couple of questions off, off what you just said. Uh, can you kind of – Add anything to what the coaches' message, uh, you know, their messages were, whether it be Coach Cumby or Coach Wells, and uh, anything that stood out to you. I mean, yeah, I mean they they never promised anything. None of the coaches throughout that process would ever promise anything. But they what they did say was that um, they were really high on me, and then they, they were honestly genuine and honest from the from the beginning. Because I'm not a high school recruit anymore. You know, I know what it takes. Um, at the college level, I know how recruiting goes in high school and how some of it can kind of be tainted at every level. So we were just kind of open and honest and about my situation and their situation and the team and, and the new uh, the new coaching staff and the new OC, and I had a great conversation with, with Coach Cumby. Um, they're, they're great people, great coaches. Um, they got a great offensive scheme, um, great culture. So it was just kind of all lining up for me um, for, for all kind of the, the chips that I was wanting to look for. Um, and obviously the guys on the team, the talent level of the team is, is, you know, even just watching film on it, I was like, these guys are these guys are insane. Like all these West Texas dudes, and even watching the skill level of the Big Ten, um, it's definitely a lot of people underestimate it, but it's very it's very difficult. Now, did you have a prior relationship with uh, Cumby or Wells? Did they recruit you out of high school? Um, I I know Coach Wells and Coach Luke Wells um, were at a Washington camp. I, I was at a small like. Washington Husky camp when I was in high school and they saw me there briefly but no they didn't they didn't recruit me much out of um Utah State I don't believe but I knew I knew of them I knew they were there and I knew they were good coaches but we didn't have any uh correlation and then obviously Coach Cumby um we didn't get to connect at TCU but I think once we did it was like holy crap this you guys are you guys are great great people and honestly great coaches so it was just like I'm glad I'm glad I I met you guys and, and they were they were real from the beginning we're joined by Tyler Shuck, new Texas Tech quarterback who's transferred in from Oregon. Tyler, uh, how kind of 
give us an idea of what this is like in terms of the, the trimester and graduating and all that? Because I know it's very different just in covering recruiting with 24-7 right. sports throughout the years in terms of transferring to the rest of the, the country. Like, How close are you to finishing, and what's the timeline for you to actually get on, get on campus at Texas Tech? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I'm I'm graduating, so I'm on the quarter system right now at Oregon, and I'm, I'm I graduate in probably about a week um, with my degree. Um, so basically, once I get that transcript or get the the message from my teachers that I pass my classes, then I can start doing spring ball. So I'll probably be able to get in mid spring ball after a couple practices. Nice. Um, so when I get up on campus, I think I can. I'm gonna head over to Lubbock pretty soon. I won't be able to go on on the in the facilities but at least find a place to live and stuff like that. But uh, it, it's definitely getting pretty soon, and I, I think I'll be able to get in for, for spring ball, which is great. Now, you say you can't get in the facilities. Is that because, like, COVID protocol, or what is that? No, it's just because uh, it's just because of basically I can't, like, be on the team unless I'm, like, enrolled or something okay. like that. I don't know. It's some compliance issue. Eligibility and compliance? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, those change all the time anyway, so it's hard to keep up with it. But, uh mm-hmm. All right, you mentioned that you uh, talked to some of the players. Who are some of the players you talk to? And uh, is it like over FaceTime or Zoom or phone or, or DMs or what? Kind of break it down for us. Yeah, we've I've DM, texted, FaceTime, phone called, pretty much all the guys. <laughs> I mean, I've reached out to um, all a lot of the O linemen and wide receivers. I've been in close contact with Eric Ezekama, Colin Schooler, Rico Jeffers, Dawson Deaton, um, Sterling Galban. A lot of the guys. I mean, I've, I've reached out to a lot of them. They're all super down to earth, super, um, super cool. They all, you know, obviously had great things to say about their team and are excited um, for me to come in, which is great. I mean, that's what kind of the biggest thing was, is even before I made the decision, I was talking with some of those guys and just about um, how they feel about it, and that was very encouraging as well. So um, they're, they're definitely great dudes, and I'm excited to work with them. And Tyler, of course, we've most of us have seen you play. I uh, saw you play at Oregon, but from your perspective, I mean, describe your game. What do you bring to the field? Yeah, I think I, I bring the ability to take shots downfield, put the ball in play with my arm, and then also um, make plays with my feet. Um, it's definitely not something I'm looking to do first, but I feel like this past year I've definitely grown in that aspect as far as extending plays and uh, moving the ball downfield. And obviously, actually, um, and I feel like I. At this point in time in my career, I feel like I know what it takes to to get to that championship bubble, and I know what it looks like being around a lot of great teams and um, a lot of great coaches and, and players. So I just feel like I know Texas Tech, Texas Tech has that, and I'm just ready to come in and work um, and, and honestly just prove myself and, and, and get better. And that's the main goal right now is just to, to go in and, and work and get better and, and see what happens from there. So I'm definitely excited about the opportunity. How do you feel like those skills fit in with Coach Cumbie's offense, and what do you like about uh, his offense in, in terms of how much you know you could know so far? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very similar to a lot of plays I've run in my past. Um, he's going to take shots down the field. He's going to give the wide receivers a lot of time, a lot of um, a lot of ability to get open, find green grass, um, a lot of uh, yak yards to be had. Um, basically, just giving the ball to the playmakers and then and finding ways to, to get guys open. Uh, with mixing in some runs, mixing in some sweeps, mixing in some quarterback stuff, mixing it like it, it's a lot of a lot of great plays, and I think all the guys on the team are excited about it because he's had such great success at TCU prior, and has been in the conference, so he knows uh, who's he, who's he's going against. Always like to ask uh, athletes, no matter the sport, once they get to a certain level, where did they actually learn to play the game? Who taught them, and you know, where did you get the, like the love for for the sport? 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great question. I think it probably, um, the love for the game came when I was probably playing like peewee football. And I was knocking heads around. I played defense probably most of my career, and I always played baseball. Um, and once I got into middle school or high school, I started playing quarterback, and I kind of fell in love with the process of that. And quarterback's interesting because you're always almost like um, playing tennis or being in like an archer or just you, you're trying to find ways to get in that like flow state, get in the zone to where you just feel like you can't miss, and it's like a constant, never-ending chase of, of perfection. Um, and that's what I just kind of fell in love with. It's just like the constant need to, to get better and grow. And then obviously in college, um, and then my senior year in high school and college is where I learned a lot of the technical aspects as far as um, football protections, reading coverages and stuff like that, which is it's obviously a, a whole new world in itself, and it's just kind of you kind of fall in love with it. We're joined by Tyler Shuck, new Texas Tech quarterback, transferring in from Oregon. And you're transferring in as, as a grad transfer. Uh, and you mentioned the that you're graduating here or you're finishing classes here soon. What what are you getting your degrees in and what do you plan on studying at Texas Tech? Yeah, sir. I, I graduated in criminal justice and political science at Oregon. Uh, I double majored and then I'm going to be getting my master's in interdisciplinary studies, which is like a three-pronged master's that you can kind of pick different areas. Uh, I think that's what's to start out in to get me in there but I'll, it's basically going to be a focus of criminal justice um, obviously after football ends someday I want to get into um, the FBI or, or federal agency field uh, but yeah basically I mean Texas Tech is a great school that was another part of it as well um, they got I only heard great things about their academic program and, and teachers as well so it was just it was hard not to, to come to Lubbock and obviously the city of Lubbock I've heard great things as well it's very similar to, to out here in Arizona in the desert and the in West Texas and the kind of people. So it's definitely exciting. Hey, Tyler, I want to ask a couple recruiting questions here to wrap this up because you know, I spent a lot of time covering recruiting. I have over the years. Uh, and it's really changed here with everything going on with the portal. It's just been such a game changer, and it's so different than high school recruiting in my hmm. experience. How And with you being such a – you're a top 100 recruit, so heavily recruited coming out of high school, and then one of the biggest names in the transfer portal – you know, this year, this off season, how different from your perspective were those two experiences? Oh, completely different. Um, I had a whole. Once you get to college and you kind of, you know, you know what you know. Basically, a lot of kids out of high school just don't understand like what it takes. I mean, there's very few people who can obviously come in and just have great success, like guys like Trevor Lawrence and and those guys about what it takes to be in colleges. But it's also just understanding how to deal with like coaches and recruiting. I'm in mean, high school. You come out thinking like you want to go to the best place where you have great relationships with the coaches. Um, but then you find out coaches obviously leave all the time. I mean, that's probably the greatest thing in college football is change. Um, you come into a place, you look for great facilities or great um, fans or stuff like that. But all that stuff is, it kind of comes and goes because it doesn't really matter about the facilities because all you really care about is just playing on the football field Obviously, I came from a place that has great facilities and all this kind of stuff, but really I didn't care what city or where I was going to as far as facilities, what what colors. or just, A lot of people kind of fall in love with the, that aspect, but you really just want to go somewhere where you have a chance to play um, and, you know, the coaches have your back and, and you can have success, and that's what it came down to coming around the second time, and, and that's what I was looking for. Texas Tech was the best opportunity for that. And then there were a lot of schools who were kind of attached to your recruitment here when you once you entered the portal, but... Who are some of the schools that you were hearing from and that you actually considered before you know choosing Texas Tech? So yeah, I was uh, deciding between um, 
Arizona Cal, Michigan, UNLV, um, Auburn, um, and there was a couple more, but really it was between those schools about who I was serious with, but Texas Tech was obviously probably at the top of that list for the majority of the time. Um, but I wanted to, obviously there was a lot of great situations out there as far as um, chances to play, coaches, um, proximity, stuff like that, but really none of those um, really bring competition and in question with Texas Tech, so I definitely felt great about it. And then, Tyler, finally, I don't know how familiar you are with just the history of Red Ritter football and just, you know, of course, all the quarterbacks uh, of the Air Raid era, but of all the quarterbacks that, that, you, that you are familiar with, who would you say you, like your game, would remind Red Ritter fans of? Um, that's, a, that's a difficult question. Um, honestly, I'm not going um, to try and compare myself to guys who have obviously are in the NFL right now who are, are have their everyone's different um but I, I've had great conversations with guys like Davis Webb um he's a he's a great guy I feel like him and I have similar statures um I didn't I haven't watched him enough in college to compare my game to him and Patrick Mahomes is obviously kind of on a different level of any type of quarterback in any generation um but I would compare myself to probably uh, a mix between those kind of guys as far as running ability I don't know how fast Davis is I, you could probably I could probably ask him about that, but Davis is definitely has the tallest stature, and he's got a great arm. Um, and he's very smart too. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, Coach, I watched a lot of tape on Coach Cumbie as well. He's extremely accurate, uh, so I'm excited to kind of learn more about the program and learn more about the culture of the, the quarterbacks. Um, and obviously, I just have that outside view of, of great NFL quarterbacks down the line. You mentioned Davis Webb. How, how do you know him? What's your connection with Webb? Yeah, he reached out um, when I was kind of throughout this process. Um, obviously, he's a backup for the Bills right now, and um, he was—he went to Cal, he went to Texas Tech. Those are two places I'm kind of obviously familiar with and we're considering. And he was talking to me about um, spring ball and how he didn't go in for spring ball, and he felt like um, it didn't matter for him. And he talked about Texas Tech. He talked about when he, he's going to come down to Lubbock, and we'll obviously get together and work out and, and hang out and stuff like that. So he was—he's honestly—he was just a great mentor and friend um, throughout this process, and uh, obviously we. The um, quarterbacks like to connect and talk about ball, so we just kind of connected throughout the the whole recruiting process, and he became a great asset. And obviously, he's a great dude as well. Well, Tyler, man, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And needless to say, River River Nation is really excited about you uh, coming to Lubbock and joining the football program. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Jared. I, I'm, I'm excited to get out there. All right, we come back next. It's time for more basketball talk. It's our Rockin' 25 college basketball poll. We'll unveil it for this week. All right, uh, Rockin' 25 college basketball poll time here. And, uh, you know, Pete Christie uh, not with us today. He's a little under the weather, so we're a man down. But you know what? We'll soldier on here. So getting close to March Madness and our Rocketologists help us understand the latest Rockin' 25 college basketball poll, as usual, analytics consultant from haslametrics.com eric haslam also owner and editor and founder of the acc basketball report and podcast michael hunter so it's uh, week one of championship week and conference tournaments are uh, going and which of the power five tournaments have the most intrigue for you guys well i'm, I'm going to pick some pretty boring answers personally i think it's going to be the big 12 and the big 10 the big 12 is going to be a conference that's going to be really fun to watch especially when you have seven teams that could theoretically pull seven seeds or better in the ncaa tournament i think that's going to be the one that i really look forward to because any one of those teams 
can could be a Final Four contender in my in my opinion. Um, so any of them, one of them can also come out of that tournament as the Big Twelve champions. The Big Ten is going to be fun uh, just because I think you have your different tiers, and you have Michigan, and you have Iowa, and you have Illinois and Ohio State. But you have a couple of those teams that are not necessarily playing their best basketball right now. Purdue has gotten hot a little bit down the ladder. Maryland has gotten hot. Rutgers can go, and then you have a few teams who are kind of have the ability but just haven't shown it and really have their backs against the wall that really need to have a good showing. And the team primarily I'm thinking of is Indiana. Don't forget about Michigan State, who's all of a sudden gone on a run as well. So there's a lot of great teams in there that can make a run and all of a sudden pull off a lot of upsets and squeak into the tournament. For the Big 12, I think it's just going to be the Big 7. I can't see some of those lower teams making a run and beating those top seven. I think those top seven are going to eat themselves, but it's going to be fun to watch while they do. Yeah, I agree 100% with Eric, although I'm not really interested in the Big Ten just just because I'm not really interested in the Big Ten. I'm going to go with the Big 12 as being the most intriguing. I simply think that that conference has the deepest stable of high-quality teams in the nation. You know, certainly when you're talking about Illinois, Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State, they're all Final Four contenders. I'm not sure any of them have the ability to get over that hump if you're going to face a Gonzaga or a Baylor. Certainly interesting after Illinois laid a beat down on Michigan this week. I think it's going to be an absolute slugfest in the Big 12. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, West Virginia has been right there as far as being, is playing with Gonzaga this season and playing with Baylor this season. Came up short in both those games, but West Virginia is a Final Four caliber team. And to stay away from too much overlap with Eric's answer, I'll go back to my guys at the ACC who I said last week, this conference may just be bad enough to be entertaining. We saw North Carolina beat Florida State, who I touted last week is easily the best team in the conference. Duke is now kind of fledgling. Georgia Tech is kind of surging. Syracuse got a big win this week over Clemson. They still have some work to do. Clemson, I think, is safely in. NC State has been winning lately somehow without Devin Daniels, but I still think that the Wolfpack has some work to do. But I think any of these teams, Virginia included, Louisville certainly included, Virginia Tech certainly included, any of these teams could absolutely win the ACC tournament. You may be in a situation where you see Duke playing on Tuesday, which hasn't happened in forever. And I think that not because it's going to be over, well, it's going to be competitive, but it's not going to be great basketball. But I think it's a very even line as far as where everybody exists in the ACC. And for that reason, it could be very entertaining as far as who comes out of that tournament alive. So let's release the Rockin' 25. Gonzaga has all the first place votes for number one. Baylor stays at number two. Michigan holds at number three after getting blown out to our new number four, Illinois. And Alabama holds at number five. If you were the committee, who are the number one and two seeds for the tournament right now? Well, I think consensus right now for the, the top seeds is, I, I wouldn't say unanimous, but it's pretty, a lot of, most people probably have Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and now Illinois being that fourth number one seed. You go down to the two line, I think you've got three teams that are pretty comfortably on that two line right now. I think Ohio State is there, was a one for a long time. I think they got bumped down. Iowa's still there. Alabama's still there. And then I think the jury's a little bit out for that fourth number two seed. I think right now maybe a West Virginia has the inside track. It would have been nicer for them to actually have beaten Baylor on, on Tuesday night. That would have helped their cause a little bit. As it is, I think probably Houston might have a little advantage over them. And, and then there's a couple other teams you might want to consider in the long run. A Big East champion, perhaps, or a team like Arkansas who's gotten really hot and all of a sudden goes on a run and wins the SEC tournament championship. So at this point, I still think the twos are probably Ohio State, Iowa, Alabama, 
and I'd probably go maybe Houston at this point. For me, the, the number ones are pretty locked in right now. As far as Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor, and Illinois are my number one seeds right now. Um, I, I think Houston is probably two. Iowa and Ohio State are probably those other twos. If Arkansas wins the SEC tournament, I could see them jump into the two line. I'm not quite sure that's going to happen. Alabama, if Alabama and Arkansas both lose in the SEC tournament, which I think is a is a total long shot, and Florida State comes out of the ACC and kind of runs the table there, I think the Seminoles could jump up to that two line. Right now, it's it's so wide open right now. You know, <laughs> like I said, Alabama could absolutely run the table in the SEC. They could jump up to the two line. West Virginia could run the table in the Big Twelve and, and jump up to the two line. So. Right, right now, it's, it's really wide open. It's going to be really intriguing as far as a conference tournament season. But I think as far as the number ones go, we're pretty much dialed in with Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor, and Illinois. As far as other teams that could jump up to a one, maybe Alabama. I, I think they kind of have that resume. Arkansas really didn't have the wins in the out-of-conference. Um, they have gotten a lot of their quality from, from in-conference play in the SEC. You know, if Illinois loses really early in the Big Ten tournament and Ohio State maybe wins it, maybe Ohio State could, win up the, it could run up there. But as far as any kind of team outside of our top 10, top 12, it, it would take a lot of moving parts, I think, for them to jump up to the one line. I, I think that Gonzaga, Michigan, and Baylor are absolutely number ones regardless of what happens okay. in their conference tournaments. I, I think that is really, really set. It, it would be very difficult for me to predict anybody else jumping up to that one line considering how well Illinois played without Ayu Desunmu, and he's going to be back. So I think they're going to be fine. I think I think there's going to be two Big Ten teams on that number one line, and and honestly, there's four teams in play for it right now with Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, and Iowa. I wouldn't discount no, Iowa okay. if Iowa all of a sudden makes a run, wins that Big Ten championship, or they're locked in that they're not going to one, and say you have an early Illinois exit. I mean, it's unlikely, but I could definitely see it happening if that if that unfolded that way that Iowa could steal the last number one seed. All right, so a six through ten of the Rock and Twenty Five: Houston, West Virginia. Iowa, Ohio State, and Villanova. Which teams in the Rockin' 25 top 10 do you think are pretenders? You know, I'm going to, this is a perfect time for that question to come across because I'm going to go against what Eric just said. It, it is a really tough question because I, I, I think that there isn't really a good answer in our current top 10. If I had to make a choice, I think it would be Iowa. You know, they're prone to defensive lapses, and they're kind of prone to playing down to their opponent's level on occasion, which is illustrated by the two losses to Indiana and a loss to Minnesota. They are supremely talented and boast National Player of the Year, but as we know, the tournament, it's really about matchups, and it's about a tight whistle. You know, I remember thinking that Michigan State with Denzel Washington was an Elite Eight shoe-in. They lost on day one. South Carolina back in the day with B.J. Mackey was a juggernaut. Dunzo to, against the 15 seed in Coppin State. More delightfully recently, Duke against the Patriot League team in Lehigh in 2012, done in the first round. So it's it's not something that we haven't seen before, but all it takes is a tight whistle when it comes to Luca Garza to put this team in a whole lot of trouble, especially considering that Jack Nungy is out for the season currently. And for me, I kind of echo that sentiment of I don't I don't think really there are a lot of pretenders in that group right now. I think if you look at the teams that are in my analytics of those 10 teams, Nine of them show up in my analytics top 12. The only one that doesn't, and this may surprise some people, is that it's West Virginia, number 19. 
This is for whatever reason, West Virginia team that a lot of that the analytics have not bought in on this year. The thing that's going in favor for West Virginia right now is they have a really positive momentum where some of these teams aren't playing their best basketball. Villanova, for example, lost an ugly game at Butler. You know, Alabama started fourteen and three, but they're six and three in their last nine. That's not a bad record by any stretch of the imagination, but they're not they're not playing their best basketball. Baylor had a little bit of a COVID slump where they didn't look right, but all of a sudden they recover. They beat West Virginia in a very close game. Really hard to say at this point. I just don't think there are, are any pretenders in that group. I think any one of them can make a run, and I can't really identify a, one that I'm going to say up front right now is going to have an early exit in March. All right, well, we're making our way through the latest Rockin' 25 college basketball poll on the Rockin' pregame here on The Beard with our Rockin' 25 voters, Eric Haslam and Michael Hunter. Time for 11 through 15. you got Florida State is 11, Arkansas 12, Kansas rebounds to 13, Creighton falls to 14, and Oklahoma State jumps to 15 this week after the Bedlam sweep. Which teams in the SEC are we potentially overlooking as a Sweet 16 team? Well, I think the team that's really skyrocketing all of a sudden and quietly skyrocketing is is Arkansas. We talked about them a little bit earlier. They're number 17 in my analytics right now. They're 20-5 and five on the year, um, 28th in offensive efficiency, 11th on defense, 16th in momentum. They've won seven in a row, 10 of 11. They've got, and, and this is a kind of a telling stat, no conference losses since January 16th when they got blown out at Alabama. And what's interesting is that coincides with when Justin Smith returned from ankle surgery. Um, he has scored double digits in 10 out of 11, 11 games since that loss at Alabama with his numbers climbing in the last few games. So I think that's a team you got to keep an eye on. My only concern with Arkansas, and I've seen this in the past, are they peaking too soon? All of a sudden, are they going to fall flat once the tournament starts? I guess we'll find out. Arkansas and Alabama, I think, are obvious teams that, that have tournament run potential. If you don't know who Moses Moody is, you need to tune in and watch an Arkansas game because he is absolutely electric. He's a 6'5 wing who is just a tremendous offensive player. He's going to be an NBA lottery pick. Watch him now because he's not going to be around next season. If we're talking dark horses, uh, you know, outside of those two obvious teams, I guess I would go Florida, but I, you know, I kind of want to say Tennessee. But this Volunteers team just doesn't show the consistency um, that, that I thought that they would eventually show as, as the season went on. Florida has a stud in point guard Trey Mann. they got a quality big man in Michigan transfer, Colin Castleton, and, and some really talented players around them on the wing, and Noah Locke, Scotty Lewis, and Tyree Appleby. There are obviously questions surrounding Mike White's coaching ability, but there really aren't a whole lot of options coming out of the SEC to make a Sweet 16 run outside of Arkansas and Alabama, in my opinion. The Rockin' 25 rolls on with 16 through 20. 16 is Texas Tech. Texas falls to 17. 18 is Virginia. 19 is Purdue. And 20 is Oklahoma. Who should be the players of the year in the Big Ten and Big 12? And which tournament between the two will have the biggest surprise next week? You know, I hate to be to, to kind of toe the party line here, but the Big Ten Player of the Year is Luca Garza. I mean, Luca Garza is the National Player of the Year. So, as far as the Big Ten goes, that's that's kind of a foregone conclusion for the Big Twelve Player of the Year. It's interesting as Cade Cunningham is going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft, but the choice for for Big Twelve Player of the Year is going to be Jared Butler of Baylor. He, he's the best player on the best team in the con- in the best conference, and he gets enough media love nationwide, I think, to make that decision a pretty easy one. Of the two, I'm going to kind of go out on a limb and say the biggest surprise of either one of these two tournaments is that Oklahoma State's going to win the Big 12 tournament. 
And uh, my answer is going to be pretty short. Garza for the Big Ten, Jared Butler for the Big 12. When it comes to the tournaments, I talked about this a little bit earlier. I think the uh, there'll be no big surprises in the Big 12. But you may see an upstart team from the, the Big Ten get hungry, a team that really has their backs against the wall. Maybe you see Tom Izzo's team finally bring it all together, and all of a sudden they pull it out. Um, that's, that's not something I expect because you're going to have to go through a Michigan. You're going to have to go through an Illinois. You're going to have to go through an Ohio State. It's going to be tough to do, but I would think it's more likely for you to see an upset in the Big Ten than you will in the Big 12, especially when you consider the fact that Iowa State and Kansas State are playing in the Big 12. All right, the uh, Final Five has Loyola, Chicago, San Diego State, Virginia Tech, USC, and Colorado. You guys joke about it being so Mountain West. Is there any intrigue this year, and has anyone remembered the Ivy League didn't play a single game this year? Well, you know, the Ivy League, I don't. I, I, I forgot about the Ivy League. I don't think the Ivy League has done a whole lot in the tournament. They used to be spoilers years ago, but I don't think they, they've had a tournament win since, if I'm not mistaken, 2016 when Yale beat Baylor. Other than that, they haven't been much of anything in the tournament the last few years. You mentioned the Mountain West, and the Mountain West is, is really one, one tournament that I'm really, really looking for right now because you have four teams that are either in or right there on the fringe. I think San Diego State is comfortably in. I think Colorado State is the best of the, uh, the remaining teams. And I think you're probably talking about Utah State and Boise State kind of maybe in a little bit of trouble. Boise State was probably in better shape. All of a sudden, they, uh, they drop a game to Fresno State, who was ranked 188th at my site. That, so that's a pretty bad loss. But I think, there's a, um, I think there's a lot of intrigue surrounding that Mountain West Conference tournament coming up. That's going to be really fun to watch. I don't think you're going to get four teams in, but I think it's not out of the stretch of, your, of anyone's imagination for them to get three. And who knows what happens if all of a sudden some upstart, another upstart team comes up there and knocks off all these teams and gets all the way through. Are you going to see three teams? Are you going to see four teams? I don't think you're going to see four, but I, definitely three is, is within the realm of possibility. One thing that I will say is that uh, I, I, I also have forgotten about the Ivy, but that's, that's kind of on us because Yale has actually been pretty good the last few seasons. Harvard has been really talented the last few seasons. The other thing that we're missing out on is that nobody's talking about Tommy Amaker leaving Harvard for some obscure job that nobody really wants. And I don't really think that's ever going to happen. I don't know if Amaker ever actually leaves Harvard. He's a rock star in, in Massachusetts. So as far as the Mountain West goes... I think there's a ton of intrigue for all the reasons that Eric said. Colorado State is actually good. I don't know if anybody knows that or realized that that was even possible. It's an insane thing to comprehend. Boise State has an NBA player in Derek Austin Jr. If you haven't seen him play, 6'7 wing, pure scorer. He's going to play in the NBA. San Diego State is in our top 25, so that kind of says what we think of them. And Utah State has one of the best big men on the left coast in the Keita. So, I don't think all four of those teams get in. I think probably Boise State is the odd man out there. I, I honestly think it's more likely that you're going to get two in with San Diego State and Colorado State as there is going to be some bid stealers. Granted, you know, the Mountain West as a league as a whole is much more intriguing when New Mexico or UNLV is good. But right now there's some really interesting things going on in the conference. This conference tournament really is, should be fun and worth watching this year. That is for sure, man. Conference tournament time, NCAA tournament time, always one of the best times of the sports year for sure. That's our Rockin' 25 college basketball poll this week, and we appreciate uh, Eric Hasselm and Michael Hunter, our rocketologist, for breaking it all down for us. Full Court Press. 
Well, Pete's not here. Two questions, no hedging. You're on the record because it is the full court press. Jeff, how many runs will the Red Raider baseball team put up this weekend? Last weekend, you, you said 30, and they blew straight by it in two games. Right, so you got the three games this weekend. Uh, let's. I, I still, I'm going to go with 39 this time. Very nice number, right. Jarrett. How many games will Texas Tech win in the Big 12 men's basketball tournament? That's a really good question. You know, it looks like Texas Tech is not going to have to play that opening day. So that's, you know, I guess depending on who you ask, uh, that's huge. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking, man. You know they could actually use that win for the resume, but now they've won three in a row. You have to see what they do against Baylor, especially if they beat Baylor. Obviously, I think their resume will be will look pretty sweet. You know, Tech hasn't really done a whole lot in the Big Twelve tournament. I honestly, Coach Beer's going to save all the right things. I don't know how important it is or isn't to him because even when they made that national uh, runner-up run, uh, you know they lost their uh, to, to West Virginia, pretty in a pretty rough game. So that being said. I do think he wants to win a game or two. So I'm going to say two wins for Texas Tech. I think they're going to have a good showing. They're playing their best basketball right now, and I'm looking forward to it. Stat of the day, the Red Raiders do not have any quadrant two victories this year at all. And the uh, Big 12 has only two from from Baylor just because of the non-conference scheduling plus the back half of the the Big 12 being so bad. And that, my friends, is your full-court press. The Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game, brought to you by Red Raider Outfitter, Sonko, Meineke, Hortonberry Roofing, Western Water Well Drilling and Pump Service, The Equipment, and Mitch Hall Chevrolet Buick GMC in La Mesa. Our thanks to studio engineer Nick Toshek, producers Pete Christie, Sean Dillon, Jared Johnson, Jeff Scott, Alpha Media Senior VP, Jay Richardson, Voice Talent, and DeWig, Troy Duran, Engineer Dave Fernandez, and Director, Executive Producer, Sean Dillon. Portions pre-recorded. For Pete Christie, Sean Dillon, Jared Johnson, and Jeff Scott, Rackham Tech, from the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pre-Game on 101.1, The Beard. The views of the proceeding are those of the participants and may not necessarily be those of Alpha Media USA or its advertisers. This is a production of Alpha Media Lubbock.